You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. Today, we will be sharing insight into our strategies, successes, and lessons learned with adapting operations of the FDNY Community Affairs Unit during the COVID-19 pandemic that prompted a stay-at-home order in the spring and subsequent changes to normal life, such as social distancing, remote learning, and mask requirements. In our department, the Community Affairs Unit encompasses our fire safety education program, our compressions-only CPR team, our popular Neighborhood Open House Initiative, and other educational events like CPR AD Awareness Week and Fire Prevention Month. Please welcome to the podcast, Fabrizio Caro, the Director of FDNY Community Affairs, and Captain Michael Cozo of the FDNY Fire Safety Education Team. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Liz. Oh, thank you. It's good to see you. Likewise. So let's start with uh, the pandemic hits. And so what were your first steps to triaging the losses in community outreach? Well, I think it was really understanding new mechanisms of conducting outreach, given now the new normal of not being able to do in-person outreach, but still target communities because the need for fire and life safety was clearly there. Mm -hmm. You know, how could we replace physical outreach with digital outreach and do remote learning? And we really evaluated that and how to establish new mechanisms to really get the content and message out. So as we're coming into the pandemic, the digital platform FDNY Smart already existed and our kids podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So did you expand upon those platforms or did you start something new and different? So we expanded on those platforms due to the success of the podcast, due to the success of the website and, you know, community's familiarity with the website. Mm -hmm. So we started filming and creating digital content, Mm -hmm. which was now being uploaded and accessible for community to view through fdnysmart.org slash connect, where we basically brought all videos, all curriculum under one umbrella and made it a one-stop shop to basically learn and experience fire safety education firsthand from the comfort of your home, community, or business, and continuing the great work that both fire safety education and CPR has been doing. So, Captain Kozo, why don't you tell us, first, when did you take over your part of the education team? Uh, I took over that part about uh, two years ago. I saw your most recent video on fdnysmart.org. I'm Captain Michael Kozo with the FDNY Fire Safety Education Unit, and I'm joined by my friends, Hot Dog and Siren. How much of a lift did you find it to be, you know, transitioning from in-person educational events to an all-digital platform? That was definitely a heavy lift for us, just from adapting to doing virtual events, anywhere from getting the equipment that we needed uh, as far as computers and laptops and iPads, microphones. I mean, we needed all that stuff that we never needed before. Then we were trying to get a hold of these things at a time when just about everybody was trying to get a hold of them. So it was definitely a difficult difficult task for us, but uh, we were able to accomplish it. And um, we got on it right away, right when this whole pandemic started. We were already in the process of ordering computer equipment for all of this stuff. So. Right, right. And the the FDMY Foundation, I presume, supported that effort financially? Absolutely. I sent everything that I needed to the foundation and they were able to, uh, to come through with all of it. So did you also have a learning curve with learning new platforms, you know, technology platforms? 
We did. And it's still, it's an ongoing process uh, mm-hmm. of constantly learning new things. You're, you're uh, realizing that there's different ways of doing these things. So a lot of these platforms operate similar, but, you know, certain little differences in them. So, yeah, we had to adapt to all these different platforms. So why is maintaining this community outreach so important at a time like this during a pandemic? Fires occur year-round. Life safety situations or life emergencies occur year-round. The need for fire safety education is there. People are home and people are cooking more often. Things could occur that could cause potential life-threatening situations. And I think the importance of continuance of messaging or the reinforcement of messaging needs to be there. And even through a pandemic, we can't discontinue those efforts. And especially now, really adapting to now these changes and how to really evaluate community needs in terms of communication styles or how can we effectively communicate using all these platforms that, that we've been discussing. One thing about the pandemic is that now we're seeing how technology in itself expands communication and messaging to a larger and broader audience, where typically we would invest in educators going out to schools. And even though they were doing numerous or thousands of events a year, we were still hitting a finite number, you know, not to say that it's a small number, but it was a finite number uh, that grew, you know, every year. But looking now at the larger audience and how many people we could target. And it's interesting to see how we can incorporate that moving forward because of course, our aim is to return hopefully to in-person learning. Uh, But now at this point, uh, implementing technology to basically increase the number of people that we're messaging to. Yeah, that makes sense. So we wouldn't think about turning this off once we're back to life no, as, definitely not. This as is we the, used to know it. No, this is the new wave, honestly. I, again, we talk about the new normal, but I think once we all get through COVID-19, you know, this is definitely the new normal moving forward of mm-hmm. how to incorporate technology on all aspects of education and outreach. What did we learn about remote learning that you would say was surprising or just unanticipated? We've learned that it does work. You just got to make sure that the material that you're putting out there is definitely uh, getting the message across and that it's uh, memorable to everybody that's that's watching and partaking. Right. Uh, but I definitely think it works. Yeah, I'll add to that. I think we were a bit skeptical at first because it was our first time around now engaging schools, community partners, and really selling to them fire and life safety curriculum under this new platform. Mm-hmm. However, the feedback that we've gotten recently is that It's a great program. It's easier now because at this point, beyond having to coordinate like an in-person presentation and school time, it's now again from the comfort of a classroom remotely or from the comfort of a home where youth or community residents are now receiving this digital curriculum or live curriculum through these web platforms. Are you doing not just pre-recorded video, but also using these conference platforms? It's a combination of both with the digital content We've been developing scripts, working with Captain Kozo, that basically covers all aspects of residential fire and life safety. So what events did you actually take digital? Every campaign, we've now transitioned to a digital approach since the beginning of the pandemic. We've launched CPRAD Awareness Week, which is the first seven days nationally recognized of June, which we basically promoted the importance of understanding and how to use an AED and also how to perform compressions-only CPR. AED stands for Automated External Defibrillator. It's a small, portable, easy-to-use medical device that can help those experiencing sudden cardiac arrest. Deliver shock now. We've transitioned major fire life safety initiatives, including Fire Prevention Week and Change Your Clock, Change Your Battery, which Captain Kozo can explain a little bit 
Absolutely. So during Fire Prevention Month, we have one week where we have a bunch of schools that would usually participate at Rockefeller Center with us. So this year we did a virtual Fire Prevention Week kickoff. We recorded a video over at the new fire zone. It was the grand opening of the new fire zone, so that worked out really well. And I know we had a huge number of children that took part in that whole virtual event, which was great. Uh, And I definitely think that we reached a lot more than we normally would have had we done it in person at Rockefeller Center. Right, because they have to actually commute to Rockefeller Center from all over the city, right? Right. So we definitely saw a lot more people taking part in that whole event, which was great. Isn't this place great? It's made to look like a real firehouse, complete with this fire truck. You know, we celebrate Fire Prevention Week each year by teaching the importance of fire safety in households and communities. But practicing fire safety should not be limited just to this week and should be practiced regularly in your homes. Uh, We also do Change Your Clock, Change Your Battery, which is another uh, initiative that we do in the spring and the fall to remind people to change the batteries in their smoke alarms when they change their clocks. And actually, we still are out there in person handing out batteries, but uh, to get the message out even more, we went digital and uh, we did a PSA announcement with all the borough presidents, and we put that out there, which again, I think was a success in getting the message out uh, even more. And remember that no matter where you live, Manhattan, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens. When you change your clock for daylight saving time, change your batteries in your smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. Working alarms save lives. Other than that, we would normally be going into schools and teaching, and we would go classroom to classroom and teach children on fire safety. Unfortunately, we can't do that now, so that's something else that we've gone digital, uh, where we'll go classroom to classroom virtually and do presentations virtually to all the children. And again, I think that has also been a success. Is it the same as being in person? No, it's not the same, but this was definitely the good way, a good way to go about it. Are the kids able to interact with you on those platforms? Uh, Depending on the teacher and how they set up the classroom, uh, the kids can interact. Typically what we see is uh, the teacher will mute uh, the class uh, while we're doing our presentation, and then they'll open it up to, to the class afterwards and allow the children to ask questions and if they have anything to say. But that approach of really pinpointing seasonal messaging, we've now transitioned to like a library of content, which we're constantly recording and filming and coming up with new material mm-hmm. to make it fun, but educational at the same time and relevant. You know, And I think the same can be said about in-person teaching, but I guess, Cap, do you want to relate to that? I I agree. I think uh, the combination of being able to do both now is actually pretty beneficial. So now not only are we making a huge push to get all of the digital content out, but we are still out there doing in-person events, provided that they're taking place outdoors. So we do have teams out there in all five boroughs handing out batteries and fire safety literature in person. So on top of that, we have the PSA announcements now in regards to change your clock, change your battery. And then we also have all of the digital content in relation to fire safety. So I think taking this approach of getting it at all angles is really uh, a good thing. And when you provide live training now, how's it going using the video conferencing platforms? When we do the virtual presentations, it's different. We're in the office and, uh, there's something to be said about the, the social interaction, the, the ability to actually be in person and, and see people and interact with them that way. And you miss that when you're doing the virtual. It's definitely different, but, uh, you know, we're making it work. And again, I think we are able to reach more people this way because, you know, there were a lot of times that people couldn't make it at a certain time or get to a certain place. 
this way uh, they're able to log in from the comfort of their home, uh, and I think we're able to reach more people that way. What kind of feedback are you getting from the education community in particular, you know, the Board of Ed and the children? We've gotten positive feedback. I I think when it first started, there were some uh, obstacles, of course, of acclimating to this new platform which made it difficult on both ends, on the requester and us providing the presentation. But I think the general feedback has been positive, where we've seen an increase in presentation requests to go virtual. And also when we released any digital campaigns, there's been more people subscribing to it and viewing it. And I think based off the viewership in itself, we've seen a huge increase in terms of people really going to the fdnysmart.org slash connect website. One thing that the department has done was really brought forth community affairs or external affairs under public information, all under one umbrella now, right, of really communicating and operating efficiently to ensure that those entities that do like the public communication and the the media outreach also interface with the public and educational outreach. And now that interface has blossomed, especially now with COVID-19, where as a team, all in one under one umbrella, we've really utilized all those channels of really pushing forward FDNY Smart or Fire Life Safety Publications or messaging in itself to a whole nother level. We've seen also the benefits of really pushing messaging out and working collaboratively on social media. And that's really been positive because, again, we've been drawing people to subscribe to those avenues, and we've seen an increase in viewership or people subscribing to to those channels. Since the pandemic. Since the pandemic, yes. The captain and I do see it all the time. Uh, you know, we, we looked at the numbers and we're constantly evaluating, especially fire fatalities and fire incidents, because the unit fire safety education responds no matter what to fatal fires. We've really taken a new twist now beyond in-person outreach where fire safety educators do tabling within the first 48 hours of fatal fire incident. But we've now started stretching messaging on the digital platforms and the social media platforms to really promote education and the safety messaging behind it that may come about from a fatal fire incident. Our focus ultimately is to get fire and life safety curriculum, but I think when trying to engage youth primarily, and especially now during the pandemic, where an average family now at this point can't go to the local firehouse or the local EMS station and look at the glamour of what first responders do, you know, we've really taken that under our wing as well to basically promote the different jobs or the different careers within the FDNY. And we've done wonderful things in terms of creating films such as a firehouse tour, EMS station tour, and we've gotten positive feedback as well on those. A firehouse is like a home away from home, where a team of firefighters work together and are always ready to respond to an emergency. Today I'm going to give you a tour of an ambulance. You guys ready? Come on! Our primary mission is to educate New Yorkers within the five boroughs, but seeing that the curriculum or content has now been well received by a broader audience outside of New York is a bonus. Because again, it's not only educating New Yorkers, but seeing that this message is being heard and at the same time well received by people on a broader scale. Right. So when you say broader scale, you mean around the country and even around the world? Uh, Yeah, around the country and even around the world. Yeah. Most of our digital platforms have subscribers from other parts of the world. So it's not surprising to me that this endeavor would achieve the same thing. Um, It's always interesting to get feedback from somebody in Argentina or Europe or Australia. 
you look at New York City, right, and how diverse the communities that we engage, mm -hmm. when you look at populations, not only culturally, but linguistically at the same time, right? right. We have the ability to engage a diverse population here in the city. Right. And when you talk about inclusivity, FDNY Smart, the website itself is able to be translated in over 80 languages. It's really enticing a more broader audience, not only in the country, but how we mentioned globally. Right. Captain, as we transitioned into, for us, this new technology, I think for the kids, it really wasn't new technology. They've already been using these platforms. What was your experience with that? Absolutely. These children are so used to all of these digital things. They're using these things constantly. And it's funny because over at our unit, we had to have an actual training, numerous trainings, actually, to teach my educators uh, how to manage the laptops and the computers and the cell phones and everything like that, mm -hmm. where a child can just pick up the laptop, turn it on, and, and they know exactly where to go, what to do, how to use it. So I had to start from scratch uh, with a lot of the educators on just simply how to get to the website and how to sign into a, a meeting mm -hmm. and, uh, and actually perform that presentation. Uh, and it's funny because you do see some reactions once in a while if one of my educators has an issue while they're doing a presentation, you'll see some of the kids laughing like it's something so simple for them, uh, you know, and we're struggling over here trying to figure it out at times. But, no uh, doubt if they were muted, you would know what the problem ab was. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> How do you deal with the elderly? I mean, this happens to be a group that we do actually do a lot of community outreach with on a regular basis. How do we do that now in this digital world where they are very unfamiliar with the digital world? Uh, they are uh, unfamiliar, but um, we have seen quite a few, uh, I would say more than you would think, that are able to navigate with their smartphones or their tablets and their computers. So we are still able to reach a lot of them. Also, we are still seeing that they are going to their local senior center. So we've been getting in touch with the senior center, and they've been setting up the virtual presentation at the center itself. So uh, all the seniors there are able to partake in it, and then we're on the other end. And through these senior centers, we are pushing the website so that they're able to go on at their own leisure and look at the different topics that we're trying to push out there. Don't leave cooking food unattended. Always remember to stand by your pan. Don't wear loose-fitted clothing while cooking. And these partnerships that you mentioned, are these partnerships, are they partnerships you had established prior to the pandemic? Yes. So they were partnerships already established prior to the pandemic. Again, similar to like how we already had the tools with FDNY Smart to transition to a digital. It's the same thing with outreach. We already had existing partnerships or collaborations with a lot of the entities that deal with the populations that we primarily need to target here in the city. So, for example, the Department of Education, Department for the Aging, Department of Youth and Community Development a lot of community-based organizations and advocacy organizations at the same time. So once we had already that set content, it was easy as just now returning to that already existing collaboration and how to augment it or maybe transition it now to the new model that we were incorporating in terms of really emphasizing fire and life safety. If you had to give advice to another jurisdiction or agency who wants to do similar community outreach using virtual platforms, what advice would you give them? I guess really, one, understand what technology is needed or best to engage the set population. Again, with fire and life safety education, we understand which are the vulnerable populations based off fire trends or, or life safety trends, right? Understanding what are the best methods of communicating, tailoring content or curriculum, 
to promote more remote learning, either through video conferencing or through digital content. At the same time, with New York City, as diverse as it is, really understanding the populations and how to tailor content to those populations as well. You know, our outreach approach has been quite inclusive in terms of just the curriculum and the content. We've made sure that all our digital print or informational flyers that are available via the website are within the top 10 LEP languages. In addition, all our videos have closed caption. We've also taken from the, from the filming aspect of translating certain videos, basically making a more inclusive approach to outreach to ensure that fire and life safety education is for everyone. So we have some of the content available in other languages than English. Correct. And this is all based off data here in terms of the top 10 languages that are spoken within New York City. And that's how we focused it to basically ensure that we had those languages available. And in addition to that, we do have educators that speak multiple languages. So we are able to do presentations in various different languages, which we have been doing quite a bit as well. What type of metrics are we seeing with our uh, digital platforms? So with our digital platforms, again, transitioning from an in-person to now digital, you know, we were expecting a huge reception based off page views and people ultimately viewing the content on the FDNY Smart page. We've seen well over 3 million since the beginning of March. I think that also speaks on a personal note to the talent that's on these uh, videos <laughs> I would agree. Captain Kozo has become a fan favorite with every New York City community. I could, I could tell. But I think our team has done uh, quite a remarkable job in terms of really utilizing different voices ultimately to get this message across from firefighters to EMTs to paramedics to fire protection inspectors. Our whole FDNY family has really been engaged in really getting this messaging across to New Yorkers and, and really adapting to this new platform. So and let's not forget our FDNY smart host, Chloe. Oh, of course. Chloe has become a household name and a household voice where anytime you hear Chloe's voice, you're ready for a lesson and a journey into fire and life safety. Okay, everyone. Are you ready? One, two, three. Be FDNY smart. If there's a fire, closing the door helps keep the fire from spreading. And remember, close the door to your room, and your home. And that's also why during the cold winter months, we bundle up and protect our extremities, like our ears, hands, and feet if we're spending time outside. Mind blown. This is interesting. I've always associated burns with heat or flames. I didn't know that cold could cause a burn as well. Install alarms on every level of your home, including basements and where you sleep. This is important because a lot of fires happen at night when you're sleeping. And because carbon monoxide is odorless and tasteless, the only way to know it's in your home is with a working alarm. So I know speaking for myself, and I think Captain, you would agree with this, that public outreach, and in particular teaching the kids about what we do and saving lives and why we love it and why they should love it and shouldn't be afraid of us. What's your feeling on teaching the kids we all signed up to, to do this job, to fight these fires, save these lives. And we miss all of this social interaction. When children walk into the firehouse, just the look on their faces, their eyes are lit up. They're looking around the firehouse. They're so overwhelmed with everything going on. Mm. Uh, and that's something that you, know, that you don't get to experience when you're doing a virtual presentation with them. Virtually, we're trying to get the, the message across about the gear that we use and how heavy it is and the tools mm. that we use and 
you know, when you're in person, you're able to to show the children and, and have them actually hold the axe or right. the halligan or some of these tools that we use just so that they get an actual feel of what it is. And that's definitely one of those things that you do miss uh, doing virtual. Right. Just for example, the firehouse tour and the EMS station tour was one of the things that we really wanted to convey early on when we started transitioning to a digital approach. And those have been the most viewed videos on our fdnysmart.org slash connect website. Because clearly that's something that all kids in all communities have, have always looked forward to is visiting their local firehouse or EMS station. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just the kids watching those particular videos. As I can see uh, through our social media, there are plenty of adults commenting and enjoying those particular uh, tours. When it comes to developing the content particularly content that is strictly going to be used in this digital world where people can't really interact with you as much as they did prior to the pandemic. What advice would you give people when they're trying to develop this type of content? I think with a lot of the focus being on youth when dealing with fire and life safety curriculum, mm -hmm. one thing that I always ask is, how would my kids be engaged in this new normal? How would they stay in front of a screen and really learn about fire and life safety topics? And again, I think when creating content, it's how we can create scripts or material that basically creates some level of interaction, but at the same time makes it fun. Mm -hmm. I think Captain Kozo and I have talked about it, you know, while we've created the scripts. And um, Cap, I don't know if you want to say a little bit more on, like, I guess the engagement aspect of it and really focusing on including that with any, any curriculum or content. Yeah, I find it funny, Fabrizio, that you said you think that we've discussed it. We've discussed it almost every day since uh, this pandemic began, you know, Personally, I'm, I'm getting tired of discussing things with you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, first, you got to start off with somebody who's knowledgeable in the in the topics. Definitely have to have somebody who knows what they're talking about and that's able to sit down and, and write the scripts. When it comes to fire and life safety education, and I guess education as a whole beyond mm -hmm. it, right? It's really identifying who's a good educator. Right. And again, that's really a, a skill and a talent that not everyone has, but you find your stars. And especially we found our stars throughout mm -hmm. this pandemic of who really can deliver that message and making it engaging. Because developing a script and understanding your audience and creating that content is one thing, but right. the delivery of it, and I know we, we joke around with Captain Kozo, we really tell him, oh, well, you're very bubbly on these videos. <laughs> you know, if he wasn't, I don't think that, that we wouldn't be able to get that same reception right. from youth especially. And I think that's one thing to really take into account. It's not only the content, right. but it's also the actor and the educator and really making sure that that perfect combination exists uh, to really get that message out in the best way possible. Yeah, that's a really good point because you can develop the best content and then it bombs because you didn't have the right messenger. Well, you guys are fantastic. I'm a big fan. Thanks. We'll have Thank to do you. autographs after this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today and sharing uh, your insights with our audience. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there. <laughs>
for us, to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to FDNYFoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.